The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it, but a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This episode of Stacking the Box is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Welcome into Stacking the Box, the new and improved Stacking the Box with Jeff Schwartz. Former NFL player, we got Matt Verderam, current NFL editor for Fansided.com. I'm Josh Hill, the editorial director for Fansided.com. We're going to come to you each and every week talking about the National Football League. And week one is in the books, so we're going to be giving you all of our biggest takeaways, our biggest surprises. We'll give you some best bets for next week. We'll also talk about some things that we're looking forward to seeing. Verderam talked to Jason Witten, current Dallas Cowboys tight end. He's free from the Monday Night Football booth, scoring touchdowns. And we're also going to be talking to Brad Weiss, the Oakland Raiders team site that we have. Just blog, baby. So all of that and more coming. But first, guys, week one is in the books. Biggest takeaways. Let's start with biggest surprises, actually, and it's the Cleveland Browns. What in the world happened? Verderam, Jeff, what? What? Didn't expect them to lose by 30 <laughs> points. Look, I thought the Titans getting five and a half was a little bit generous. I, I thought, you know, the Titans had a better record last year. They're an underrated team. They have a good defense. But I don't think anybody saw 43 to 13 coming or 18 penalties coming from Cleveland. Three fourth quarter interceptions from Baker Mayfield. Look, I've talked about this. We've talked about this all offseason long. The one question I have about the Browns has nothing to do with their talent. Who has the experience on that team that when things aren't going right, they can step up? And I didn't see anybody doing that on Sunday. Freddie Kitchens didn't do it. None of the players did it. And it resulted in a sloppy, ugly blowout loss in front of a lot of disappointed fans. Look, I might be the only national writer, columnist, journalist, whatever you want to say, who picked the Titans to win this game. I picked them to win this game for many of the reasons that you just stated, Matt, is that the Browns, to me, all they did all offseason – was talk, 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 right? Baker Mayfield did as many interviews as he wanted. He argued with Colin Coward. All we heard about is him feeling dangerous. All we heard about was Freddie Kitchens and he's, he's a player's coach and the guys love him. And yep. We've never seen Freddie Kitchens before as a head coach. We saw how much love he showed his team and how led to 18 penalties, most since 1951 for that Browns team. We saw Baker Mayfield, who did not play well last year, against the best defenses he played. Well, guess what? The Titans are a very good defense, and he played very poorly. No surprise there. The Browns last year did not beat, I don't think, any playoff teams last year, especially down the stretch. Oh, no, they, they did beat the Ravens once, I uh, should say. 12-9. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, otherwise, down the stretch, 
they only beat the you know the beat up Panthers, the Falcons, the Bengals twice. So this was really no surprise to me. Now the score is a little misleading, right? The game was fifteen to thirteen for you know it was that was what it was for most of the game. Obviously, third quarter, then long screen pass goes for a touchdown for the Titans for Henry, and then obviously a pick six and things got out of the end. Um, but not very surprising now that all that all that being said, I still think the Browns are going to win nine games. It's a good wake up call for them, but it's a reminder too. The NFL has a unique way of humbling you. The Browns got humbled in week one because they would not be quiet in the offseason. Now, I'm curious, so like your thoughts here, because to me, I watched the tape yesterday, and the one thing that stuck out beyond the penalties, beyond the three picks in the fourth quarter from Mayfield, they couldn't block. Now, now I know Greg Robinson got tossed in the second quarter. He got yeah. ejected. <laughs> but that was the one big question going in about the Browns talent-wise. It was like, we get – we know they've got yeah. skill position players coming out of their ears. Scream Hunt will be back week nine to add to that group. They couldn't block Tennessee. Now, that's a good front. But Tennessee made it look like child's play in that game. Well, it's the problem for them is their offensive line is giving an issue all year, right? They traded their second best lineman for another defensive end, which you could argue they did not quite need. Um, and it ended up costing them. Look, they can't block for Mayfield. Now, Mayfield is not as athletic. I think we give him credit for. He can move, obviously, in the pocket, but he's not a guy that's really going to break down and rush down the field where things aren't going very well. He held the ball very long yesterday, excuse me, two days ago. He just felt very out of sorts. And, uh, again, against the better defenses, he did not play well last year. That trend continues after week one. I don't know how good the Jets' defense is going to be on Monday night, but we'll see if that continues when he plays the Ravens this year or if the Steelers decide to play some better defense. Um, but he's going to have a challenge this year when he plays his better teams. Yeah, I have to commend the Browns, though, because they're going to play 15 more games after their season ended on Sunday. So that's really admirable that they're going to go back out there and give one to the uh, fans like that. Speaking of the Ravens. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Let's move on to our next big surprise of week one, which was, Jeff, I think you were a big fan of Lamar Jackson this offseason. Oh, wait, no, I think the Ravens fans were coming for you on Sunday after he goes off for five touchdowns over 300 yards. Is this the Lamar Jackson we're going to see the rest of the season, or is that kind of a fluke? Well, it's, it's kind of in the middle, I think. I think it's not a fluke uh, because, look, the, the better teams and better players should beat up on the bad teams and bad players, right? I mean, I feel like there's this common thought, well, you cannot evaluate an offense in this game because the Dolphins are so bad. Yes, that's part of the equation, but also that's what good teams do, right? They kick the they kick the crap. I don't even know what I can say in this podcast oh, out, yeah. of, <laughs> out, of, out of other teams. And that's what they did. Now, we look at that performance and we say, look, they hit an RPO slant for 75 yards, right? They hit a deep bomb for 75 yards. Is that going to be their offense all the time? Probably not. The problem I have with this offense is I feel like it's not an offense you can win a Super Bowl with. It's a very limited offense. When I mean, you play the better teams in the AFC, they can move the ball on their side of the offense, but also just play some better defense, better coaching. This offense is very limited. They're going to win one way. They're going to run the football and play action pass. And to me, I would not build your team around a very limited quarterback. 
I don't have a ton to add to that, but I just got to throw out a couple of stats. And I know numbers can lie, despite what people say, but it has to be said. The Ravens in that game had 643 yards. Yeah. 6-4-3. They also outrushed the Dolphins 265-21. to 21. I get the Dolphins weren't running a lot when they are down 42-3 to three in the second quarter. But still, look, the Dolphins got boat raised. I'm not a big, you know, 0-16 type, but look, that team... Mm. If that team wins two games this year, it's an upset. I'm curious with Baltimore. Look, they're the two-touchdown favorite this week. They play Arizona at home. Then week three, they go to Arrowhead and they play Kansas City. That, to me, will tell me what I think about the Ravens moving forward. Do the Ravens play the Raiders this year? I can't remember. They do I, not. They don't. Oh, well, maybe that would have been a win. but Or maybe not because you the Raiders. The Dolphins? Or, yeah, the Dolphins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So Dolphins, anyway. week 16. They get the Bengals at home. That is their one win this year. I like that. Wow. Speaking ill of the Bengals already, they went into Seattle and they almost won. Why aren't we putting respect on the Bengals? What is this? I don't know. Uh, but the Raiders. So let's move to them. They lose Antonio Brown after getting Antonio Brown and maybe not really, having, really having Antonio him. Brown. <laughs> they kind of rented him for the offseason. I don't understand what those moves are. I'll give the Raiders credit, though, in that they cut bait when things started going bad. NFL team, sports teams in general don't really cut bait when things start to go south. They ride it out far longer than they probably should. But Antonio Brown is gone. Everybody's dogging the Raiders. And they go out and they win. They win their Monday night football, the last Monday night football game in Oakland, unless they return, maybe. But they beat the Broncos, a divisional game. So what was there to like about the Raiders? Is this just kind of like a, you know, they, they played up to the, the moment. It was the last Monday night game. Or is there John Gruden, Derek Carr, they finally turned a corner. What's going on here? Well, they scored 24 points. Let's not act like they put up 40 on the road against Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, but I will say this. They, they, they ended last season. I know the last game of the year wasn't very great, but they ended last season playing much better offense the last month of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised their offense looked okay. I think the biggest surprise really was that Cole Miller, their left tackle, played really well uh, against Vaughn Miller and, and against Bradley Chubb. And so did, no surprise Trent Brown played well. Um, but my biggest takeaway is their defense. Maybe it's a little bit of the Broncos and their conservative play calling, but Oakland's defense could use us three to rush the passer. And somehow they're able to really get after uh, the Broncos here. So the, to me, it's not really the offensive takeaway. It's the takeaway is, is coming from the, uh, the defense. I was really impressed with Oakland's defense. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen week two against Kansas City. We'll get into that game a little bit later. Uh, but I thought Carr played very well. And I thought, as you mentioned, Colt Miller was terrific. He was not good as a rookie. They kept him at left tackle despite signing Trent Brown to a record-setting deal. The line looked good, even though they were without both their guards, Gabe Jackson's heard coming off the MCL injury, reaching Cognito suspended for one more week. But I thought Carr played really well. Tyrell Williams, he looked like a legitimate player for them, which isn't shocking. I I know throughout the offseason, going into free agency, had a couple different people in the league tell me, look, everybody's talking about Golden Tate. Tyrell Williams is the best receiver in free agency. It was a limited class, but still... He did a nice job. My bigger takeaway from that game is, my God, if Denver, if that's all they can do offensively, they're going to have a very long season. That is a tough division. Flacco, we know what we're getting out of him. You saw it there. He's very limited. Cortland Sutton played well, but that line is atrocious. Uh, Garrett Bowles is is not good at left tackle, to say the least. And Juwan James, who's an average right tackle, in my opinion, anyway, they overpaid for him. If he's not able to play for a little bit of time here with the knee injury, right. they're in dire straits. 
Yeah. And that's a lot of the issue is that Denver's personnel and look, it's funny, John Elway, what is I mean, besides, you know, signing Peyton Manning, what has he really done? Nothing. Uh drafted Paxton <laughs> Lynch. That's what he's done. Wow. Yeah. What a legacy. Yeah. It's not great. If he doesn't have Peyton Manning, he's not there anymore. But he's, he's a legacy in Denver. We all know Elway's going to get a ton of roll. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move south to Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys. Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator now. And Cowboys look pretty good. Dak Prescott, he's looking for a contract. Zeke Elliott just got paid. I mean, Jerry Jones just paid basically everybody on that yeah. team except Dak Prescott. But it was Prescott who looked most impressive, at least to me, with Kellen Moore's new offense. What do you guys think about what's going on? deep in the heart of Texas? Well, for me, it was about the style and rhythm of the play calling rather than really the results. I know the results came as well, but a lot of play action pass, 48% play action pass for Dak Prescott. They motioned a lot. They're 11, 11 personnel a lot. And we saw just a brand new offense that had Dak throwing the ball more confidently, finding ways to get guys open into spaces and using the speed of their wide receivers, Gallup, and Cobb and Amari Cooper, obviously, and obviously, you know, Jason Wynn's not the speed guy, but just being a sure hands uh, for some short intermediate passes. And they didn't really run into bad box counts, right? They didn't run into into eight man boxes. They really get, did a good job of making sure Zeke uh, was able to 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 get places without having a lot of guys in his way. And so, I just thought it was a, the best game plan I've seen for Cowboys in quite a long time. And you should be really encouraged. I know it's the Giants. I get it. Same with the Ravens. I said with the Dolphins. You should be up on bad teams, but. It's how they got to the plays, in my opinion, that was more important than the actual results. Yeah, I was really impressed by Dallas. Uh, you know, as you said, look, they should beat the Giants. And they did. They, yep. they hammered them. 35-17. They, they rolled up and down the field, especially as the game wore on. Mm -hmm. uh, but my biggest takeaway is, look, that goes for 405 and four touchdowns. The knock yep. on the Cowboys always is they've got a really good defense. Elliott, we know, can run the heck out of the ball. They've got that line. But can Dak make the plays come January that's going to get them over the hump. Now, I don't know the answer to that. He may still be the same guy yeah. he was last year. He just had a really nice game. But the offense is different stylistically. And I also looked at that and said, man, if you're Jerry Jones, if you're Stephen Jones, hey, they're not running out of money. But at the same point, they had to be thinking of themselves, maybe we should have paid him yes. prior to the season. Because yeah. <laughs> my contention was, look, when Wentz got $32 million a year and then Wilson got thirty-five, that's your sweet spot. It's right there. He's going to, he's going to want more than Wentz. He's not going to be able to get more than Wilson. Well, if he goes out this year and throws for 35 touchdown passes, guess what? He's getting more than Russell Wilson yes. because then he's sitting there saying, well, Patrick Mahomes is about to get $40 million. So I'll wait for him to sign, and the ceiling goes up. The Cowboys made a crucial mistake, in my opinion, by yes. not signing Dak. They should have signed him this offseason. They should have paid the quarterback first, the wide receiver second, and the running back third. If you look at... Last season, when Amari Cooper got there, Dak Prescott took off. Took off. And they should have taken care of those. And every single yard Dak throws this year adds another $1,000 <laughs> onto the contract, maybe maybe $10,000 on the contract. And they missed the opportunity. They should have just got this out of the way and been done with it. You're always better off paying the quarterback early. Always. Yeah. Yes. Every that's why, like I just mentioned Mahomes, that's why when Kansas City, when they're eligible to sign into an extension this offseason yeah. – should be done immediately for as yes. long as they can sign him for. Because as, as every contract happens, it becomes more and more of a bargain. The Cowboys waited too long. They're going to pay the price for that. They'll sign him. They'll get him. But it's going to cost them. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks who got paid, uh, last one that we have here, Kirk Cousins. 
and the Vikings. They win on Sunday. They beat up on the Falcons. But Kirk Cousins throws for 98 yards. He's got eight passes, 10 attempts, $83 million invested in him. There's a lot of money. What is this sustainable? Like, what happens when the Vikings need him? What do you guys think about Kirk Cousins and his kind of performance against the Falcons? Oh, they covered the four. Seems to all that matters to me. So, um, uh, look, they're going to rely on the run game again. I I think that I, I'm all from offensive linemen. Obviously, I love to run the football, but you know the, the the metrics are showing you, the analytics are showing you that designing a game plan solely around running the football and then hitting some shots, obviously, is not a way to win the Super Bowl. You just can't do that. So we need to see more from this Vikings offense. I get it. They played well in this game. And, you know, they something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round the clock protection. Something you probably don't know. The average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know. Your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know. A falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round the clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. They won the game, which is most important. Uh, for those who, in this thing, I think they covered the game as well. It's one of my favorite plays this week was Minnesota minus four. Um, but, again, we need to still see more from that offense. But defensively, look, they're going to be good. I think they win the North. Um, I'm high on the Vikings, not so high on, on the Bears. Um, and I think that showed in week one kind of where I think these two teams are going. Well, we're on the same wavelength with the Vikings and the Bears, for that matter. But for the Vikings, I also had them winning the North. I talked to Rick Spielman a few weeks ago for a column, and look, you know, he told me explicitly the biggest additions we made this offseason had nothing to do with player talent. It was all about Rick Dennison and Gary Kubiak. Yeah. When they lost Tony Sperano tragically uh, in, the, in training camp last year, Stuff. they lost their run game coordinator. They oh, yeah. lost all their ability to, to for having pass sets and pass protection. They lost a lot in terms of how they were able to design that offense. And John Filippo, he specializes in the pass game. Right. That's his bread and butter. So when, when, when Sperano passed, the Vikings, there was a game last year, and I might be one or two attempts off on this. It was against the Bills when they surprisingly got blown out. Oh. Cousins threw the ball 44 times in a row. Too many. I mean, Too crazy, many. crazy. This year... You're going to see a lot more Dalvin Cook. They're going to mix it up in the backfield. I really like the way the Vikings played. They mauled Atlanta up front on both sides of the ball. And this will be a very interesting test. Look, Green Bay, 10-3, a little bit of a slugfest in Chicago, a little bit of a rock fight. I'm much more interested to see how they play against Minnesota. The game's in Lambeau, but the Vikings, I believe, are a nightmare matchup for Green Bay. Yeah. All right. We're picking our best bets of the week. Week two. We're telling you who to bet money on. If you don't win anything, I mean, don't complain to us. I mean, you're the one that placed the bet. So. <laughs> your money. We're, we're your just giving you our problem. expert advice here. So, Verderam, uh, Jeff, and myself, we both picked two games. Verderam, what is your first game, your first best bet? My of first week two? best bet of week two is the Chiefs minus eight. The line moved down a point, point mm-hmm. and a half after Oakland won. I just think the Chiefs are going to score 35 to 40 points in a lot of games, if not almost all their games this year. They're so explosive. I don't think the Raiders can defend them. They don't have a great pass rush. Now, they did get pressure against Denver, but that offensive line is not Kansas City's offensive line. Uh, Jeff, you might know something about the right tackle in Kansas City. Just a little bit. (laughs) You know, he's decent. Um, I think the Chiefs will do everything they have to do to protect Mahomes in this game with that ankle. I know Tyreek Hill's all but out already for that game as he deals with his collarbone injury, but I just look at it. 
I think the Raiders played with a lot of emotion on Monday night. They were trying to make a, uh, to prove a point rather with Antonio Brown not being there. Yeah. It's a primetime game. It's a short week now, though, for them as well as they turn yeah. around. I think Kansas City goes out there and puts a pretty good beating on the Raiders. I, I don't think that the Raiders are, are stifled offensively. I think yeah. they're going to move the ball and score their points. I just see it being the kind of a game where the Chiefs win something like you know, 41 to 27, something like that. Jeff, this game, what do you got this for game your... feels, This game feels very backdoor coverish for the Raiders driving late in the game um, just to make this game you know, seven points, eight points, because the Chiefs' defense can't stop anybody. They, they allowed Gardner Minshew to get, what, over 200 yards passing. It was not it was great. 80, 88% completion percentage. And the Raiders, like I said, offensively, they can play. Look, I think nine to lay nine on the road is a bold move, buddy. Hey, I, I, yeah. I believe in the offense. <laughs> I mean, they just hung 40 on Jacksonville like they didn't even I, try. Oh yeah, it was great. I agree. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I, who, feel, I feel like you're drinking the Kool-Aid there a little bit, Verdurian. Hey, listen. That's listen. nothing new. Anybody that listens to this knows you're a Chiefs fan. So I am, but I've also new. lived in pain with them my entire life. That's so true. I, I typically, you're putting I money I typically on don't <laughs> back them. I typically am ready for them to somehow screw everybody over. But in any event, I've got the Chiefs minus eight in Oakland. All right. Jeff, what do you got for your first best bet of week two? All right. So how about this stat right here? What happens when an NFL team covers by 18 or more points in week one like the Ravens and the Titans do? Since, two, since 2010, they've gone 4-16 and 16 against the spread in the following game. So along those same lines, which I know, Matt, we'll get to your pick in a second, which will follow this. Mine is the Colts plus three in Tennessee this weekend. Um, okay. Look, I think that the Colts really showed me something last weekend in San Diego or in Los Angeles, whatever. It doesn't matter where they played. Uh, they came <laughs> back late in that game. <laughs> Look, Brissett played exactly like I thought he would in this offense. His completion percentage is way up from his career. You know, he wasn't, it's not, they're not hitting a lot of home runs. They're doing what the Eagles do, right? A little dink, a little dink and dunk, take some shots. Offensive line, really good. Marlon Mack, really good. Defense played very good as well. Tennessee now, high offense winning against the Browns. Everyone's praising him. Again, I go back to the game. The Titans' offense wasn't very good. No, it was a lot of yards so, after the catch. So give me the Colts plus three as, you know, feeling bad about the overtime loss in Tennessee. I got to say, I'll throw in real quickly, watching that Colts-Chargers game, the Chargers need Denzel Perriman back in the worst way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because with James out for three to four months, Perriman is that thumper inside. If they don't have him, they can't stop the run. Bosa and Ingram are great. They're not great run stuffers. They, teams will run all day long up the middle, and we saw the Colts do it. Marlon Mack, I believe, 175 yards and a, a couple of touchdowns. So I, uh, I I share your optimism on the Colts. I think Brissett will keep them in a lot of games. Yeah, I've got the uh, – I'll do mine. I've got the Bengals and the uh, 49ers. They are plus one and a half. I'm going with the Bengals. Give me the Bengals on this one. I think Andy Dalton's 10-4-1 against NFC teams. And I think when the Bengals – in this Andy Dalton era, they're 9-6 and six against the spread – I also didn't hate what the Bengals did against the Seahawks. I mean, they're not playing, you know, yeah. the Dolphins yet. So, you know, I can't bet against them quite yet. It's not the end of the season. But they go up to Seattle. It's a hostile environment. We all know the 12th man and the lore of that. Week ones are a little wonky because, you know, you don't have film and everybody. Zach Taylor comes in. And you want to talk about a guy who really owned the moment. Here's a young head coach. Of all the head coaches hired, he was definitely a footnote, I think, to a lot of people. Not the sexiest name. Goes in there. Almost wins that controversial fumble, non-fumble call at the end of the game with Andy Dalton. They ultimately don't win in Seattle, but I do like them against the 49ers, and I dislike the 49ers against East Coast teams or Eastern Time Conference teams or 
time zone teams. Time zone. Time zone. Yeah. Yeah, conference time. Yeah, new whatever. conference in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Look, we're just dividing up the maps here. We, we, we're doing everything new here. So. I, but I think the Bengals, they're like one, or the uh, 49ers are 1 in 12 against NFC teams or teams against the, uh, in the teams. Eastern Coast. Oh, you're, having, so, you're having issues with your geography. That being said, look, I'll, well, I'll stick with the geography theme. My second pick is Arizona Baltimore. Baltimore favored by 13 and a half. And Jeff, to your point, you, great, you came up with that great stat about these teams that blow everybody out week one, then they fall back week two. I'm taking the Cardinals to cover. Uh, I, think, I don't think the Cardinals are that good. And I'm very concerned about their offensive line. There was one play, I'm sure everybody's seen, where the Cardinals guard sacked Kyler Murray. Yes, please, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was not great. It was not how it's coached. That being said, the Cardinals gained a lot of confidence at the end of that game against Detroit. They come out with a 27-27 tie, but they were down 24-6 to in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, mm. that is just a fireball offense for Matt Patricia. Lovely. But moving on from it, Look, I think the Cardinals are going to be able to do some things. Jimmy Smith is out for this game, sprained knee. The Ravens have a lot of missing pieces in the front seven. C.J. Mosley, gone. Zedarius Smith, gone. Terrell Suggs on the Cardinals. He's going to be motivated. So I don't think the Cardinals win, but I do think they cover. That's a big number for a team that I know the Ravens scored 59 points in week one. I don't expect them to put a big offensive output up every week, and I don't think they do it here. I think the Cardinals cover. Oh, I I, I would tend to agree with you here. I was hoping that you were going to take the Dolphins minus, uh, excuse me, plus 18 and a half, but <laughs> I guess we're quite not, quite not there yet. At 21, 21 and a half, I might be all over the Dolphins. All right, my next pick, um, I like the under in Green Bay and Minnesota. Open at 46. I believe now it's at 44, 44 and a half. Um, this is, I grabbed right at 46, right, right when it came out. You have the Packers, obviously, uh, offensively, really struggle against a good defense in the Bears. Just Really no rhythm, no flow. And look, not surprising under a new offense. It's part of breaking a new offense. It's going to take a little bit longer to make it happen. Defensively, they played really, really well, which, look, again, not that big of a surprise. They've drafted well in that position. On that side of the ball, State, they've added a lot of depth on the defensive line. No surprise there. And you mentioned Minnesota. Look, the numbers were, were okay on offense, but just okay. Now they're on the road against a better defense. So give me the under here. You might want to grab it pretty soon uh, before it slides a little bit further. What do you uh, think about that, Verdram? So, uh, no, I, listen, I, I agree. I think Minnesota is going to win with defense. They're going to play a very ball control. We're going to run. We're going to play some defense. I know they gave Kirk Cousins $84 million, but I think they saw last year, if you let Kirk Cousins throw the ball 40 times a game, <laughs> you're going to lose. You're going to lose more often than not. It's not ever, and, and, frankly, look, that's not a knock just on him. That's a, that's a league-wide thing. If you throw the ball 40-plus yeah. times, you're probably losing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. My uh, my bet, give me the Chargers at the Lions. The Lions, they're not very good. 17 times in the last five years, they have been home dogs. It's kind of tough to be a home dog. And it's kind of tough to be a Lion, too, I guess. 6-11 and 11 against the spread and straight up. That Ooh. is the Lions. That is not good. Give me the Chargers. I don't care if they're coming all the way across the country from Los Angeles. It's you know, Especially after what we just said about Matt Patricia and the Cardinals. Not really. Good. You're betting on that. You're literally going to bet on that. I'm betting against that. Give me the charges on that one. I'm normally all about the home opener and that that meaning something for teams. I do think you know guys get up for it. Fans obviously get up for it. But mm-hmm. man, you are the Lions. Are you really? You're a Detroit mm-hmm. fan. You you excited about that? They're f- you excited about them coming home? You might prefer that they play that game well, in Los Angeles. Yeah, the Chargers I'm- are five and two in their last seven games against NFC teams. So heads up to that. I'm Matt a- I might go. I might go bet this game right now. <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> I mean, should. Even, this thing, I was just like look at the game. Like you know, I'm like you, Matt. I'm like yeah, I, I like home dogs. 
But, like, the Lions aren't very good, and the Chargers are good. The Lions' schedule, just throwing this out, we can wrap up. The, the, the schedule for the next five weeks, home to the Chargers, at Philly, home to the Chiefs, Packers, Vikings. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck winning any of those games. Good night. Yeah, yeah good, good night and good luck. All right, program. I think you talked to uh, Jason Witten. I did talk to Jason Witten. He is partnering with Marriott. They have the sweepstakes going on. And he'll talk to all about that and the Cowboys, what's going on with his return, with Zeke, and with Dak. Jason was really insightful and really generous with his time. Jason Witten of the Dallas Cowboys here with us. And Jason, right off the bat, I want to ask you, I've read some things about that you have a game-changing friendship with Emmitt Smith. Of course, Dallas Cowboys, great running back, all-time NFL rushing leader. And I know that Courtyard is looking to have a similar friendship with a fan that they're going to be hosting the night prior to the Super Bowl at the stadium for a sleepover. Can you talk to me a little bit about both your friendship with Emmett and the Courtyard promotion? Yeah, well, I mean, Emmett is my friend, and, uh, you know, he, he would be a great experience for me to, if he was my uh, – able to sleep over there. I mean, some of that greatness rub off uh, on you would be a great experience. But yeah, I mean, Courtyard's the official hotel of the NFL, and it's a great contest for, for friends to be able to go in there and share their story. And who knows, they may get selected. No, I and, want to uh, oh, go ahead. That'd be a great, ex- that'd just be a great experience for them, just like you said. So now I want to talk to you a little bit about the Cowboys. Obviously, you're back on the team after one year in the Monday Night Football broadcast booth. And I'm curious, how hard of a decision was it for you to leave the booth after one year to go back to the field? And was there a moment, one singular instance where you said, you know what, I still got some more football in me? Well, I, I think, you know, you try to make the best decisions you can in real time of like, what, where am I going to go here? And when the Monday Night Football t- opportunity came up, I mean, I think a lot of us in that situation after playing 15 years would really have to consider something like that. Uh, fairly early on, to answer your question, I realized – there was something still burning inside me that I felt like I could give to a team, um, specifically the Cowboys, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I think there's nothing like that feeling that you can have and different than I think other guys and as announcers, whether it would be an injury or things that come up that force you to make that decision. I didn't have that, you know? And so I think as you go through it, you're trying to convince yourself, like, yeah, just give it time, give it time. But it was always kind of in the back of my mind of, man, I feel like I have something more I can give to a team and, and I want to play. And so I'm thankful for that opportunity to now be able to get back out there on the field. A lot of work to, to get back. But um, I'm also thankful for the experience of Monday Night Football. You know, the lessons I learned there, got to see the league, bring, it, bring back a different perspective coming back to the Cowboys. You know, what was that conversation like when you first talked to Jerry about, hey, you know, I'm thinking about coming back. I have some interest in rejoining the Cowboys. I mean, was that... Something where, you know, he was shocked. Was he not shocked at all? I mean, how did that go between you and Jerry Jones? Well, no, he wasn't shocked. I mean, I think, you know, one thing about Jerry Jones and that family is that, um, you know, it's a true relationship they have with their players, certainly after you've been there 15 years. Uh, So I'd lean on him a lot, you know, not just with that opportunity, Monday Night Football, but other things over the years. and so I think he knew it was going to be a tough, it was a tough decision for me uh, to go in the booth. And I think he respected it. Certainly he welcomed me back, thought I could help the team. And uh, just was I willing to do that? Did I, is that something that I wanted to do? And of course that was. So uh, just very honest, direct conversations like you'd have with somebody you trust or, or somebody you looked at as a role model or mentor. And um, 
lot of back and forth kind of uh, told me the opposite of like, all right, you got to think through this or sleep on this tonight. And, uh, ultimately we came back to, came to the conclusion of let's go for it. And, uh, I appreciate the opportunity, appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, hopefully I, I can bring him back one of those trophies he hasn't seen in a few years. Jason, a couple more. I want to ask you about Ezekiel Elliott, and obviously he held that. Progressive presents Forced Metaphors, about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, it's also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Out, wanted more money, wanted a new contract, got that contract, and then some uh, right before week one, was able to play. From a player's perspective, from a teammate's perspective, you know, what are you guys thinking as that time's going on? Obviously, I'm sure you want him to get his money and get, get himself taken care yeah. of. But at the same point, he's such an integral part of the team. I'm sure you didn't want him to miss time. I mean, what is that push-pull for, like for you as a teammate of his? Well, I think early on, you know, you just you understand the business of football. Um, you know, I wasn't as, I guess, concerned because, you know, there's a lot of different types of holdouts. Um, this one, the reason why I wasn't concerned was that, I mean, obviously he wanted to be here. You know, he's a featured running back. He's led the league two out of three years in rushing. Got a great offensive line. Uh, team that drafted him and of course the management they wanted in him, him here so it wasn't like two teams like oh, are we going to get you know cold feet here uh, at, at the last hour I mean it was just a matter of coming to the right number um, you hope that it was sooner than later when you're in camp but uh, I think there's so many things that's in it you know the the magnitude of the Dallas Cowboys you be you better be able to be mentally tough and be able to kind of take the distractions out of it. And so this team's experience in that, uh, understanding that the lights are bright in Dallas. And so can't allow that to affect you. I was glad that he got the deal done. I thought he brought a lot of juice. I thought he looked good. And, you know, he didn't have the yardage that he usually has and will have as the season unfolds. But I don't know that it was, it was a byproduct of, you know, not being in camp. I, I thought he looked good. He had a couple of really nice runs. I think it was just Giants were committed to taking away our running game. They're big, strong, physical guys up front. And obviously we connected on the passing game. So he's a great player. I'm great. Glad to see that worked out. And I, I think he's going to be having another one of his years where he's up there competing to, to lead the league in rushing. Well, and you said it, Jason, like the, the passing game had no problems week one. Obviously, Dak, big game, 405 yards, four touchdown passes. He is also trying to get a new contract. Hasn't quite secured it yet, although everybody expects it'll eventually happen. Yeah. You know, what have you seen? I know you weren't on with, with the Cowboys last year on the team last year, but what have you seen in the maturation of Dak? And that you would argue statistically that might be the best game he's ever played, uh, and this might be the best team that's ever been around him. You know, what are you seeing as his tight end, as his teammate, as to why yeah. he might be taking that last step, that next step into the that elite category? Yeah, well, I think you know when you when you talk about young quarterbacks and you talk about them taking that next step. I mean, that, that evolves in, in kind of um, it's a big picture that you're talking about. And I think it's th those things that consist of a lot of different things, uh, leadership, accuracy, in, in command, all those kind of things. And so um, for for Dak, I just seen it all being produced at a high, high level. I start with his leadership, 
he is the captain. He is the leader of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, his teammates, coaching staff, support staff, they run through a wall for him. And that means a lot, especially at the QB1 spot. And uh, I think he does a great job of that. But I just think he's in control of the entire offense. He's in command. He's seeing coverage. He knows where he wants to go with the ball. He's got a lot of confidence in his weapons. And, uh, you know, it's you saw it pay off there on Sunday. So I think it'll continue to play better and better and better. I, I think he is in that tier of those, those top quarterbacks. Well, Jason, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck during the season and best of luck with your partnership with Courtyard going forward. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. That was Jason Witten. I'd like to thank him for his time, for coming on the pod, talking to Verderam. Now, Verderam, it's a favorite segment of mine. You are an NFL insider. You have candlelight talks with GMs, players, everybody in between. I'm just a dork with a microphone who needs to learn a little bit more about football. So you educate me. Give it to me straight from the source. What are you hearing out there in the NFL landscape? So a few different things. One is Jacksonville besieged by injuries both in the preseason and certainly in week one. Nick Foles, biggest injury of the entire week across the NFL. He goes out with a broken collarbone. And look, it's, it's a tough blow for Jacksonville. But I'll say this. You, know, you talk to people in, inside that situation around the team, they really believe in some of the young players. Here. Obviously, Gardner Minshew showed quite a bit. One guy who played well, and he was in and out of the lineup on Sunday, he had a little bit of a knee flare-up, and he had tore his meniscus in the preseason, so he was just coming back, was Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams is a converted safety and a linebacker, drafted in the third round. They believe he's going to be a star there. He played well, and in the second half of that game, like they didn't have Miles Jack. Miles Jack foolishly yeah. got himself thrown out like a dope. Uh, and so... Uh, nice job by him. Maybe the heat was too much, just wanted to go into the locker room. Either way, look, the injury's big. When they when they signed Nick Foles, they really felt like this is our guy moving forward. I know a lot of people look yes. at it as well. It's it's a it's a bridge. And and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that internally they felt like, hey, Foles, he's not only better yeah. than Bortles, he's good. He's going to get us to where we want to go, get us in contention, get us on the path back to being in the AFC title game like we were a couple of years ago. Now he's out for, what, at least two and a half months. That's a crushing blow uh, for the Jags to have first quarter of the first game of the season. Yeah. Look, the, the Foles thing is is awful. I agree. He, he made a great – the play got hurt on him. He made a fabulous throw. Great yeah. For a touchdown. And, look, Garner Minshew, as a seventh-round draft pick, will have to learn, obviously. But he played a lot in the preseason, and that probably will benefit him moving forward. Yeah, no, no question. And sticking in that game, uh, to, to finish up this little quick segment here, uh, Juan Thornhill is a guy that the Chiefs, both outside the building and inside the building, are extremely high on. I mean, you talk to anybody around Kansas City, they'll tell you, look, this kid's a player. I remember uh, you know, hearing around the league back in May, back in June, we are talking OTAs, and there's a lot of yeah. false optimism at that. But there was a lot of, hey, this kid can play. He's going, to be, he's going to be a difference maker right away. Well, guess who led the team in tackles week one? Now, have to also say, if a safety's leading the team in tackles, that's usually not great. That means that you're getting a lot of people into the backfield. Uh, but Thornhill was active. They moved him around. He's going to play a ton of free safety for the Chiefs, as he did week one. But he played yeah. really, really well opposite Tyron Matthew. And you're going to see Steve Spagnuolo switch it up. You're going to see Dan Sorensen in there plenty. They're going to have a lot of different looks. But the creativity of Matthew is opened up by if Thornhill can play a solid free safety, a center field, if you will, uh, then Matthew can do a lot of what the Chiefs hope, which is making that chess piece that Eric Berry used to be. So Thornhill 
passed his first test in Kansas City as the Chiefs believed he would with flying colors. He was one of the better players on that defense in Jacksonville. Yeah, look, they can use all the defensive help they can get. Yes, they can. And if he can be that guy that can be the multi-tool for them on defense, that would be fabulous. It would be a great draft pick. Yeah. Verdram has been singing his praises all offseason long, so it's nice to see it pay off there. Verdram, straight from the source. That's exactly where I like to get it from. Thank you for educating me. I feel smarter. It's It's, about time. It's it's enlightening. It's an enlightening experience. All right. Moving on to pick six. We've each picked six things. Well, I'll total pick six things, two apiece. On what we're looking forward to in week two, Verdaram, what are you looking forward to? What do you think will happen? You're seeing into your crystal ball. What is week two doing for you? I'm looking forward to the tension convention at MetLife on Monday <laughs> night because let me tell you, it's pretty rare you get a game in week two where both teams are really feeling the heat. Oh, yeah. The Jets and the Browns, both teams are feeling the heat. Look, it's a Monday night game. Mayfield's coming off that hideous performance. Jeff, you talked about at the top of the podcast. Look, all you heard out of Cleveland was noise. Mayfield's going after the Texas quarterback. Mayfield talking to GQ. Mayfield's running down everybody and their mother in the, in the Giants organization. And then he goes out and he plays pretty bad football in the fourth, well, terrible football in the fourth quarter. Played okay the first three, but it doesn't yeah. help you if you throw three picks in the fourth. The Jets, meanwhile, 16 nothing lead against a Bills team that had four turnovers in the first half. Bad, he managed bad, bad, six bad. points off Ugh. that. And beyond just that, the Jets had 16 points, but they had a pick six and a safety in that game. So their offense did nothing. Darnold averaged just over four yards in attempt. Now you get the Browns coming in there. You got Greg Williams against his old team. I'm fascinated by that game. I think Cleveland will win. But I'll tell you, the pressure on both of those teams is through the roof this week. And I cannot wait to see. I think Cleveland bounces back. But, boy, a ton of pressure, a ton of anxiety on both sides of the the field there in, in MetLife. Yeah, big time. Jeff, what do you think about that game? Well, I was secretly hoping the Browns would beat the Titans, but not cover, of course. And then they, I'd be able to take the Jets, like, plus six in this game at home. That would have been fabulous. Um, I do think, look, the Browns are the better team. They should win, mm-hmm. but we do not know how they bounce back from adversity yet. We have yet to see that. So until I see that, I kind of will take the home team just for now. I, look, I, I might change my opinion before the game on Sunday, but... The Jets are playing at home. They squandered a big opportunity. Unlike the Browns, who feel like they kind of got their butts kicked by the Titans, the Jets don't feel that way on Monday. They feel like we let you know we we left the game out that we should have won. So give me the Jets at home on Monday Night Football. I'm worried about Mosley and Quinn Williams too. I'm worried mm-hmm. how healthy are those guys? They both left well, the game. It's a problem. Yes. Yeah, because that that is like if there's one advantage the Jets should have in this game if they were healthy is that front seven should be able to handle the Browns. Yeah. offensive line. I don't know if that's the case with Williams being out, but in any event, I can't wait for that game. That game is going to be fascinating because whoever loses, boy, they are going to be in a rough spot. The Browns, week three, they play the Rams on Sunday Night Football. The Jets play New England. So whoever loses is probably staring at 0-3. Yeah. Jeff, what are you looking at? What's your first pick six looking at week two in the NFL? All right. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Are they going to go to 0-2 to start the year? I mean, after that performance the other day, um, I don't know. I thought the Steelers were going to win the North. That was my prediction. If they're going to win, the, you know, to win the North, I, I really like them. But offensively, I don't know what that was against the Patriots. Is that the team that we expect without Antonio Brown? I thought the offense would be just fine without him. 
are they really going to start 0-2? Because we know if you start 0-2 since, like, 1990, what, like 10% of teams make the playoffs? So starting 0-2 is going to be a big, you know, big issue for them. Now, luckily for them, Seattle doesn't play as well on the road uh, and on grass especially. But I don't know, man. Are the Steelers going to really go 0-2? You know, I'm with you. I picked them to win the North as well, so I guess we were thinking pretty similarly going into the season. Yeah. But, but you know, actually, I, I want to ask you because I never played in the NFL. I didn't play in college. So let's just say you have a little more experience than I do in this regard. Uh, the Steelers' game plan to me was the most baffling part of their loss on Sunday. Look, I, I expected them to lose in New England, but they see New England pretty much every single year. Some years they've seen them two, two times yeah. uh, with Tomlin there. And it just felt like it, just a cornucopia of, of just little toss plays to the outside, these underneath routes. Like, I get New England's got a good secondary, but that's not a great front seven in New England. You can do some things to them. And I thought the Steelers had a horrible game plan going into that. I would expect that they would adjust before they play Seattle. Well, yeah. I, I think the Patriots, though, are just so multiple in defense. I think the, the Steelers probably thought they were getting one defense and got another defense. And that's what the tough part about playing the Patriots, right? We, we saw the Super Bowl, a team that's primarily single high man coverage team comes out in quarters, and the Rams are baffled. I mean, that's what New England does so well. No, nobody plays a multiple defense like New England. You're right. I mean, yeah. Most teams define themselves 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, three. Now, obviously, with, with sub-packages now, it's, it's a little more muddled than it ever yeah. has been. But still, teams have their identities, and there's no question. New England, mm-hmm. every, every week, can reinvent itself. Yeah. I'm throwing this one out to the room for my first pick six of the week. Mitchell Trubisky against the Denver Broncos. Vic Fangio is former defensive coordinator who's maybe seen him a few times in practice over the years. Yes. The Broncos, they lose to the Raiders. They're already playing with a vengeance in their belly because they just got embarrassed in a game that nobody thought that they were going to lose. Now they're going up against Mitchell Trubisky. And if Adrian Amos is able to call out plays, and I don't know if I necessarily believe that he was able to predict that uh, interception play he had on Thursday night before it happened. But if he's able to know exactly what Mitchell Trubisky is doing, does he stand <laughs> any chance against Fangio? Uh, um, no, I don't think he's that good anyways. <laughs> he's so, not. No, nope. not so accurate. No, no, he doesn't. And look, I said the Bears weren't working to make the playoffs for a couple of reasons. One was because of Mitch Trubisky. And I got, I got crapped on. And look, I was right in week one. I think it was most telling that Matt Nagy came out in week one with all year to prepare and came out with the most conservative game plan yep. of all time. Mm-hmm. That tells you right there he did not trust Mr. Bisky. I don't, I don't think there's any question. You know, We talked about it here. We're, in, we're based, of course, in Chicago. and We were watching that game, and my immediate reaction was they have no faith in him. It is the yeah. most prepackaged, three-step, get the ball out, the ball right. goes here. Yeah. I mean, you watch that game. And I was thinking to myself, now look, everybody in America who's a who's a you know ravenous football fan is seeing this and realizing they have no confidence. The players sure as hell know that they have no confidence in Mitchell Trubisky, and the Packers know it. So I'm thinking now they got to go to Denver. Now, say whatever you want about Denver, Jeff. You know you play in the AFC West. That is a hard place to play. Well, it is, altitude the, itself, the, yeah. The altitude's brutal. It's very loud. That is that is a hard, hard place to get a win, even when Denver's not that good, as is the case this year. My big concern is, who, I look at it this way. Are you taking Trubisky against Fangio and that defense, or are you taking Flacco against the Bears defense? <laughs> or are you just... Tur- so as you graduate and head out into the world 
There's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So, tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush that for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Turning the channel and pretending it didn't happen. I, I find this game fascinating from the standpoint that somebody's got to score. I think the Bears will win because they're more talented, but I wouldn't be shocked in the least if they walk out of their own two. Someone has to score. That's a great way to handicap a game. That's um, an analysis that I'm, I'm looking for. <laughs> it is what it is, man. <laughs> no, I mean, it is. It's terrible that's, that's offensively. The thing. That's, that's, I mean, it's accurate. kind of with you here. Oh, I, look, I'll, yeah. I'll go to another takeaway in mind, my, my other pick six. I think the Dolphins are going to have 50 points for two weeks in a row. But, and I'll tell you what. Normally, I'd say, even as bad as the Dolphins were, 600 yards plus to the Ravens, who are not a high-powered attack by any stretch. No, I would, I would normally now. say, yeah, apparently now. <laughs> I would normally say, look, you're going to get teams that just, if they get up big, they're going to run the ball. Has anyone seen Belichick with a lead? They're not just going to sit on the ball. The only thing that gives me a little pause is Brian Flores is across the way. Mm. They have a good relationship. You wonder if Bill says, look, I don't want to embarrass him. We're going to get out of here. We're going to do what we can. But that goes against everything that Belichick is, which is you play as hard as you can. They were up 33-3 to with oh, six yeah. seconds left and called timeout against Pittsburgh because he didn't like the way something yeah. looked on the field. That is the ultimate intention of detail. And frankly, uh, even if they take their foot off the gas, I think New England's going to score 50 points in that game. Miami has no answer, and I mean none. I expect that New England hangs a 50-burger on them, and we're looking at perhaps the worst defense in NFL history here by the end of the week, Tim. I'm glad you mentioned this idea that they're going to take it easy on the Dolphins because they know the staff there. The Dolphins don't have the players to stop the Patriots, yep. even if they are taking it easy. <laughs> That's the problem. No, I, I don't yeah. think there's any question. You look at that game, and it's okay. They have Xavier Howard and, and you, Minka Fitzpatrick. They, that is it on both sides of the ball. I mean, you could you go down mm. up and down the line. Their best yeah. receiver, their best weapon is probably Preston Williams, undrafted rookie free agent. Ugh. I mean, and I, and I like him a lot, but that's speaking to what this is. By the way, I'll, just a quick aside. How are they not starting Josh Rosen? Is he that terrible? Well, I, I think that he's going to get killed. Oh, he's going to yeah. get killed. But how is he not starting? Like you trade a second round pick for him. Fitzpatrick's no not the answer. No, he's, no idea. And Rosen, I still think Rosen's going to be the best. I, I want to believe that he's going to be the best quarterback out of all of the quarterbacks that were taken in his class because he's got that fire I, in his I, belly. I don't know, man. I think Mayfield's got that uh, locked down. I don't know. I mean, after this first week, <laughs> since you know that defined his entire career, his one game <laughs> against the Titans, now all of a sudden his legacy. But Rosen's got that fire in his belly. He's, like, he's the nine mistakes before me guy. He's the, the Cardinals didn't want me and blew up the entire franchise. I think Rosen, I think Rosen will be... Okay, if he gets to play, but he's got he might be in the worst situation for a second year quarterback ever mm -hmm. to be no traded doubt. like oh, he yeah. was and have to obviously end up playing um, on a really bad team with no offensive line. Two Again, two horrendous teams. I mean, the Cardinals had two offensive coordinators last year and a first year head coach. Everybody gets fired. Then he goes to the Dolphins, first year head coach, new offensive coordinator, obviously, mm -hmm. Chad O'Shea. Oh, yeah. a, a train wreck, an absolute train wreck. Yeah. It, look, Lamar Jackson landed in the right 
system where he has Greg Roman now and he's got Harbaugh as the head coach. If he ends up anywhere else, I don't know if he's going to be handled properly. And I wonder if that's the case with Rosen. Because everybody, you know, the default, especially with Antonio Brown this yeah. past week was, ooh, what if, what if he ends up in New England? Josh Rosen in New England, like that's with Belichick, that's incredible. Well, but, I mean, it's a system thing. Correct. He might end up there. That'd be tough to predict. Yeah, that would be. By the way, speaking of the Patriots and Antonio Brown, is there a better team for Antonio Brown to assimilate himself into the Patriots offense than against a practice squad team in Miami on Sunday? Wow. Come on. Oh, that is that is my next pick right here for what I think that happened this weekend. Antonio Brown is going to go off. Um, <laughs> I don't know how or why or how, what. I don't know how it's going to happen. He's just going to go off. He's going to try to prove a point that Oakland is going to miss him. He heard the chance last night. I'm sure he did. He's going to know the pressure's on him. He's going to go out and try to prove to Tom Brady that he can do it. And so I really think that uh, it's, we're going to see a big, big game out of Antonio Brown. You are a betting man. If you had to bet, come the playoffs. Are Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown Patriots and active play- players on the roster Come, let's say the divisional round, since they will not be in the wild card round. Yes, I think they both are. Okay. okay. What about you, Verdram? Uh, I think one of them. Look, I'm rooting for Josh Gordon. How could you not be? Right. Right. Like, I obviously, I really want him to be there. Just there's not a track record that he'll be there for the whole season, so I'm right. concerned about right. that. I think Brown will be there. Mm-hmm. I think Brown will be there. I think he could be a complete sideshow behind the scenes, but the Pats will tamp that down like nobody's business. Now, whether or not that goes over well internally, who knows? Yeah. But I think he'll be there. I'll say this, though. and Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't think it really changes my opinion of New England. I think New England was great to begin with. Yeah. Like, it's not like, – there's only one football. So, to me, look, I think it adds uh, – he's a great player. Yeah. I mean, it adds that dimension. But to me, I came into this season looking at the AFC and saying, it's New England and it, it's Kansas City. And those two teams, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be seeing each other in the AFC title game. And it, at that point, take your pick. I still feel that way. Although I will say, uh, New England right now, obviously, it's a better defense. So that is that is the advantage currently. Yeah. Uh, sticking the AFC, my pick, my next pick, is the Colts and the Titans. That is going to be a battle for the AFC South soul because we saw what we saw out of the Texans on, on Monday night. And as fantastic of an effort of, as it was from Deshaun Watson and company, Uh, A favorite of the show, Bill O'Brien, is still in charge. And we all saw what he did when he challenged, called a timeout to call a challenge, loses the (laughs) challenge. So he loses the timeout on the challenge, and then he loses the timeout that he called. He loses two timeouts in the same one go at it. So there's your Bill O, week one Bill O moment of the week. But the Colts and the Uh, Titans. Uh, Jeff, you said you're not sure if the Titans are a good team. The Colts, they didn't win, but they looked a little bit better than I thought a lot of people were going to think they were going to play without Andrew Luck. Now they look with Nick Foles out and with the Texans, with Bill O'Brien. They look like they might be the two best teams in the AFC. And this week, I think we're going to find out which of those two teams is going to take an early lead here. I think think you're right here. Look, the the Bill O'Brien, have you you seen a quarterback in recent memory (laughs) who's played better with a terrible coach, a terrible offensive line than Deshaun Watson? Jeff, you just became an official member of the Second Box podcast. God bless him. We do this every <laughs> week. Like, imagine if he had Sean Payne or Andy Reid, Doug Peterson. He stole my heart. I mean, like, he'd be in, on the trajectory of a Hall of Fame. He might still have that type of career. Dude, he's yep. a he's a great, he's an amazing passer. He's phenomenal. Um, so, look, the Colts to me, 
their total drop to seven and a half when Luck got hurt. I think they win over seven and a half. I'm not sure they're good enough to make the playoffs. I don't know if this game determines that, but obviously if the Titans beat the Browns and the Colts in back-to-back weeks, they have to feel very good about where their team is at. If the Colts win this game, I think we're kind of looking at maybe a, a nine-win team out of AFC South. But if the Titans win this game, I think we can look at maybe a 10- or 11-win team out of AFC South that's the Titans. The yeah. Titans, I think – look, I'm not a big Mariota guy. You're not? Uh, famously. Famously. Yeah, right. <laughs> or listen to this podcast. I'm not a Mariota guy, but I really like that team overall, especially when Taylor Lewan gets back after a suspension. But I, I, I also – I have to pivot as well. Look, the Texans, since we're on the AFC South – you gave up. Okay, you you used your first round pick to draft Titus Howard. Oh yeah, that you is... then you which was a reach. Anybody in the league you talked to, I mean, just like what? The second round, Max Sharping guard. He has not played well at this point. He's, it's a rookie. You know, let's give him yeah, time. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but it, you know, he's a second round rookie. But the point is, they invested first and second round picks in this line. They they spent good money on Zach Fulton, who I I would say, frankly, before Tunzel got there, was the best lineman they had. Then they of course make that crazy, enormous trade. For Tunzel, two firsts and a second, and they give up six sacks. Now, not all of it's on the offensive line. Watson sometimes will will not maneuver the pocket maybe the way he should. But at the end of the day, he gets hit over and over. And the, the yes. Texans, my God, scheme something so he's not getting hit 25 <laughs> times a game. It is unbelievable. How bad O'Brien is as a head coach. And like I said, Jeff, we do this every week. As you're, I, every yep. week we look at them and say, it's it's incompetence. Oh, it's, yeah. Can you yeah. imagine if when the Chiefs moved up to 10 a few years ago, if they took Watson and the Texans took Mahomes? How different is the NFL? But they didn't. Well, it's the way it shakes. I mean, it's not much different. The Chiefs would still be very good. And the Titans would have, I mean, the Texans would have Pat Mahomes behind a terrible offensive line. Mm-hmm. That's true. I guess I, I guess the better way to put it was: Can you imagine how different their careers would be? Yeah, Watson, yes. Watson would be vying for the MVP every year, yes. and Mahomes would still be a great player, but he would be in a flak jacket every week. Yeah, Watson wouldn't right. be in an iron lung like he is right now. Like, <laughs> come on! I feel I feel so bad for that guy because that last drive that they put together against the Saints, so good, unbelievable. That is like a. It's tragic because that's what he could be if he was literally and, anywhere else. And the worst part, Ugh. the worst part of that, other than the fact that you got the crap knocked out of him that oh, game, yeah. <laughs> they take the lead with like 34 seconds to go. And on the final offensive play, the Texans are in like a Hail Mary <laughs> prevent. Oh, dude. Bill, so they're, they're not throwing a Hail Mary. What are you doing? It's un- just unbelievable. So bad. Yeah, it's, it's just. Atrocious. It's not to good. use a Verderamism. Atrocious. All right, Verderam, you talked to uh, Brad Weiss of Just Blog, baby, a favorite of the site, a favorite of the network, a favorite of Raiders fans everywhere. I did. Uh, so we did talk to Brad. He gave us his three best bets of the week. Brad does an excellent job on our Raiders site, also does our mock drafts every week. That is truly the Lord's work when you're doing mock drafts in week one and two. But Brad does a great job for us, and he did a great job talking uh, for a few minutes about his three favorite bets here for Stacking Box this week. Finally, we want to welcome in Brad Weiss, who does the mock drafts every single week on Fanside.com and is also the site expert at Just Blog Baby, our Oakland Raiders site here at Fanside. And Brad, I want to get right into it. You're having a good day. The Raiders just beat Denver on Monday Night Football. The lines are already out for Tuesday for Week 2's games. I'm curious, which lines stand out to you? And let's start with the first game. Who do you like on the gambling side of things. 
Uh, I like the Los Angeles Chargers this week, um, definitely to cover against Detroit. Uh, I know they're on, on the road, um, but they're, they're coming off a pretty emotional victory over Indianapolis. Um, they're less than a, you know, they're given less than three points. So I, I think that's a perfect spread for them. The way they looked, Austin Eckler, he stepped right in. And, well, you know, when it comes to the Lions, you know, even as uh, home dogs, they're, they're, you know, they're like six and 11. They got the wind taken out of their sails in that Arizona game last week. So um, they might come out a little flat. And I think the Chargers are just a better team at this point. Yeah, brutal, brutal tie for the Lions. I want to say it was a loss. It felt like a loss, but somehow they ended up yeah. actually rallying in overtime to tie that thing up. But I agree with you. I think the Chargers probably go in there and handle business. So another game to get to, the Monday night football game, there's probably no game that the two teams have more pressure on them. Cleveland, sure. the Jets, the Jets blow a 16-0 lead at home to the Bills. Obviously, Cleveland comes in with huge expectations and fall flat, 43-13 at home. They get waxed by Tennessee. How do you see that game playing out in primetime? Well, I think Cleveland's going to bounce back in this one. Uh, I was actually at that Jets game on Sunday. And um, once C.J. Mosley went out, that, that defense looked lost. So um, if he's not able to go with that groin, um, those cornerbacks, the Jets have a serious issue over there. And OBJ is going to be coming back into New York. He's going to be fired up to have a big game. Baker Mayfield was born for the spotlight. Um, when I last looked, it was only two and a half points. I, I, re I really think Cleveland comes in there, whacks the Jets, who now have a horrifying schedule ahead of them. There's a good opportunity. They lose Monday night. They're 0-6 to start this year. Totally agree. Jets in a lot of trouble. Really needed that game against the Bills. Didn't get it. Found the way to lose. Uh, lastly, for you, you go to the NFC side of things. Talk to me about the third and final bet that you really like this week. I really like the, the Vikings. Um, getting the two and a half points uh, against Green Bay, I think. Minnesota really had a, a statement win this past weekend. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 10 times. He said he's, he hasn't thrown it that few times since Pop Warner. And Dalvin Cook looks like the running back who came out of Florida State. So I really think Minnesota, you know, Green Bay, they played the Bears. It was Thursday night to open the season. Mitchell Trubisky looked awful. Um, I think they, they were able to take advantage of a Bears team that was struggling to find their way there. But Minnesota looks legit. They look like the team that went to the NFC Championship game two years ago. So. Uh, I like I like Minnesota, and they're getting points. So, yeah, road uh, only two and a half. So Vegas actually thinks yeah. on neutral field the Vi the Vikings might be slightly better. Uh, and yeah. look, that's a game that whoever wins, it's early, but will be in the lead in the NFC North. So, Brad, want to thank you again. Really appreciate the time. And again, you can you can find everything with Brad on Just Blog Baby, the Raiders site where. Brad runs things, and also check out his weekly mock drafts come up every Wednesday morning on fanside.com. So, Brad, thanks again, and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Matt. It's great talking to you. All right, thanks, Brad, for coming on the show. Be sure to check out Just Blog, baby, even if you're not a Raiders fan. He puts together some good stuff. Like Bird Ram said, if you're putting together mock drafts this early in the season, that's the sign of a hustler right there. So check out Brad and Just Blog, Man, baby. Great At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime.
Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. That's right. All right, guys. What is the one thing we're looking for in week two as we wrap up the show here? Ferdinand? I want to see how some of these 0-1 teams that, that were expected to win or expected to be good, how do they bounce back? We talked about a lot of them. We talked about the Browns. We talked about the Steelers. Those are a couple teams I'm certainly keeping my eye on. Then I'm also looking at you know, Thursday night, Tampa, Carolina. Look, not the, not Nobody's the, looking for not, that. <laughs> not the bag on your bucks, but I'm looking God. at the Panthers here. Oof. I think the Panthers are actually a pretty good team. They played the Rams tough. Yeah. Newton is still recovering from, mm. from shoulder surgery and that foot injury sustained up in New England in the preseason. Yep. If this is a Panthers team that can win 10 games, They've got to get right and beat Tampa Bay this week. I, I look at this game yeah. as, as, a, as an almost a must-win. And to stay in that division, Atlanta, look, you get Philly coming in Sunday night football. If you're the Falcons, that's a rough matchup. That is a yeah. very good front. Their center just went out for two, two months with a broken foot, Chris Lindstrom. Mm-hmm. The, this is a game, though, if you're the Falcons, it's gut check time. You've got to find a way to win this game. If one of those two teams falls to 0-2, and, and I, frankly, I expect Atlanta to fall to 0-2, uh, that's very tough in a division with the Saints where they could run away and hide if they get rolling. Yeah. Totally yeah. Right. The, the NFC South, I mean, the NFC South was a 57-yard field goal away from going 0-4 this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. I, I think to me, I want to see how the Browns bounce back. Even though I crushed them for the way they played in week one, um, they're still a very interesting team to talk about and to cover. And I want to see how they bounce back. It would tell me a lot how they bounce back from adversity of able to uh, to go into the Meadowlands and win this game on the Monday night against the Jets. Yeah, I'm looking forward to how all of our week one overreactions were entirely wrong because you've got the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Saints, and I believe it was the uh, – there's somebody else in there. The Bears, I think, all lost week one last year. Three of those four teams – hosted playoff games at the end of the year. So for all of our Baker Mayfield and Browns hot takes, for all of us getting excited about the Raiders because they won or the Chiefs because they scored 40 points and because Verderam always gets excited the, about the Chiefs. They're going to continue to score 40 <laughs> points. I, I don't think that's an overly hot take. Yeah, Carry on. I, I, don't, I don't think so either. But hey, you know, <laughs> hey, you got real nervous when Patrick Mahomes started limping off the field. I heard a oh, shriek oh, from oh, you oh, I've oh, never listen, heard before. I'm it was not, like a wounded animal. I, I don't care. I like, oh I, I, I'm man enough to admit it. I would I would have just broken down and cried <laughs> if he had been taken off the field. It was bad. Oh, yeah. when he started limping off. As, listen, as someone who's followed that team for 30 years, I was just expecting his leg to fall off. It was just, but then, you know, came back out, taped up, got the job done. Yeah. But in any event, it all worked out. Uh, all right. It worked out okay. Yeah, but like yeah. Fitzmagic was a thing last year at the beginning of the season. Not a thing this year. Guess what happened to that? I mean, like, look, week one is always weird. Kyler Murray doesn't even have a win or a loss yet in the NFL. <laughs> so let's just see what happens next week. And I'm really looking forward to how all of our overreactions were just completely wrong. But oh. that's just me. And lastly, we've got to say, of course, Go to iTunes and subscribe Please. to the podcast, Stacking the Box. Leave a like, leave a rating, mm-hmm. leave a comment. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, obviously, Jeff, easy to find on Twitter as well. At Jeff Schwartz, I am at Matt Verderam. Good luck spelling that. V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. <laughs> and it's on the Mr. screen. Hill. Yeah, uh, there it is. Beautiful. Beautiful. This is why the video team, we want to thank them real quick too. Uh, video team doing a great job with this. Always cranking out the hits. Um, but seriously, Thank you so much for uh, for joining us this week. And, we, of course, Hill and I would like to welcome Jeff. I hope he'll be here for at least the duration of the season, hopefully a long time. We really appreciate 
uh, his time and his insights. And so uh, this is going to be a new and improved version of Stacking the Box. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. And uh, if you're a Texans fan and you need to cope, we're here for you. Prayers <laughs> up. All right. Do it again next week, fellas. All right. Take care, everybody. Football is back. And Fansighted has this season covered from every angle. We have a site dedicated to your favorite team, a wider look at the league with NFL Spin Zone, and a national perspective at fansided.com. No matter what your football fix is, take your fandom to the next level with Fansided. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.